The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up. The King of love, my shepherd, is. His goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. We gather to worship Almighty God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. On this Good Shepherd Sunday, on this Mother's Day, on this day in which we celebrate our graduates who bring their affirmation, this I believe, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in God's praise for the congregation present here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service in our midst, and as the spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We gather in the spirit of John, John and Charles Wesley, who wrote and sang, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, truth and love, let all men see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
together let us pray. O God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved sisters and brothers in the communion, the fellowship of saints, it has become our rhythm and our privilege and our pattern to open our service of worship, of ordered worship, with moments of quiet confession, of contrition, of compunction, trusting and resting as we do in the pardon and peace of God. Let us bow together, let us bow individually, let us bow silently for a moment as the choir sings of prayer in confession. Let us pray. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation, perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Amen. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
A lesson from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering justly, unjustly. If you endure when you are being beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But you endure, if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example, so that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. invite you to join me in reading verses from Psalm 23 responsively with the antiphon.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. invite you to rise as you're able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. We welcome you this morning to our annual This I Believe service, and we, uh, where we invite four graduating seniors to offer reflections on their spiritual journeys while here at BU. Our first this morning, Charlotte Saul, is graduating summa cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts degree in English with honors and a minor in French from the College of Arts and Sciences. Charlotte has been a Martin Luther King Jr. scholar at Boston University and has sung with the Marsh Chapel Choir for all four years of her undergraduate study. Next year, she will be pursuing a Master of Philosophy in English at the University of Cambridge in England. Charlotte? In my last two years of school, I was a classroom assistant for preschool religion at my parish in Western New York. My favorite activity was always reading time. Without fail, regardless of the question asked, the answer received was always, Jesus. <laughs> Who was Mary's husband? Jesus. <laughs> Even the yes, no question would receive this passionate cry. The answer was always an emphatic Jesus. These little Jesus-loving tots reminded, of me, uh, reminded me of my own childhood in the church. I grew up in a large church family, surrounded by inspiring models of faith and strength. That being said, I was the eight-year-old acolyte who burnt her hair when torching, the three-year-old angel who rode around on a sheep during the nativity play, and the six-year-old chorister who would sing meow during hymns. <laughs> Silly moments aside, my mother always reminded me of my creator. I was fearfully impressed by that image of magnificence and strength. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do, we would sing. As I grew, God felt less big, less inspiring. In short, I was not spared the angst of adolescence. Jesus, who had always been my answer with an exclamation point, became my only question. How do they expect me to believe this? Like most, I shuffled through high school, living a life of imposed cliches. How remarkably easy it is to find identity when the world pushes you into categories. I started to see what other people saw when they looked at me, and I couldn't recognize that shape. When Marsh Chapel and the Howard Thurman Center became my new homes, introspection and worship quietly became the centerpieces of my life here at Boston University. As I sought conversations and relationships with people across this campus, as I felt increasingly connected intellectually and socially, I found myself coming back to Christ spiritually. Somewhere in these past four years, I realized that while the world is never going to pat me on the back and hand me meaning, I could certainly make my life meaningful. Today, when the choir sings and the dean speaks, when my heart soars and tears roll down my cheek, when I receive the gift of grace through Eucharistic communion and the gift of forgiveness in friendship, I'm so happy to find Jesus by my side, right where he has been the whole time. Sometimes the comfort of faith leads me into thinking I'm unbreakable and then snap. It takes so little to remind me of my own fragility and of life's fragility. There have been days during my undergraduate years, those dark moments that we have spent together, where Jesus has been my question without answer, days I just cannot hear his voice. But with word, music, and embrace, you, Dean Hill, the choir, and the congregation, 
You remind me that light and bright goodness is the answer. Jesus is and always will be the answer. My simple answer for a simple question, what do you believe? Jenny Hardy is graduating with a Master of Fine Arts in Film from the College of Communication, where she's also served as a teaching assistant in film studies. Our prayers are with her as she is on the market for a faculty position in her field. Jenny? The decision to come to Boston University for grad school was made almost entirely on faith. Packing up my little car and driving across the country was the easy part. When I arrived, I felt alone and far away. This was coupled by an email I received in my second week of classes from BU Today with the subject, Why We're Afraid of Mormons. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, popularly termed the Mormons, I was surprised by this headline. I discovered that I was further from home than I thought, and people were apparently afraid of me. That article in BU Today was actually about unjust prejudices against my religion, which I appreciate, but I was still nervous about how I would be accepted by my faculty and peers. I found myself repeatedly asking, why am I here? I would like to say that I learned exactly why I was here within a few days or even weeks of arriving, but it has admittedly taken longer and the process is not complete. Though I can't always see where or why I am going in a particular direction on life's path, I have learned during my time here that God knows where I am going and I simply need to trust him. I have received glimpses of meaning along the way. I have seen so much good on this campus and in this city. New friends have sought for understanding and support of my religion with love and kindness. A professor taught me more about life than the subject at hand. Fellow students were willing to discuss feelings and beliefs. I found family amongst strangers. I can look back now and see that I was supposed to meet the people that I have met, learn the things I learned, both in and out of school, and experience the successes and failures I experienced. A hymn comes to mind. Lead kindly light amidst the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet, I do not ask to see the distant scene, one step enough for me. The one step I took in coming to Boston has been rewarded with seeing and feeling that kindly light more than ever, often through the love of my fellow students and professors, those who share my beliefs and those who don't. I came to Boston University not knowing what it had in store, and I leave now knowing that taking that leap was worth it. 
Life is a series of acts of faith, and sometimes God wants us to pack up our cars and drive into some future unknown to us with the attitude that what lies ahead is better than what is left behind. And I can say now, after my experience at Boston University, that this is true. Robert Lucchese is graduating with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Arts Performance from the College of Fine Arts with a minor in Religion from the College of Arts and Sciences. Robbie has served as a Marsh Associate on the Ministry staff here at Marsh Chapel for the past two years and will serve for the next year as a Campus Minister at St. Martin de Porres High School in Cleveland, Ohio through the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. My freshman year, John Lipsky, who developed most of the curriculum for the freshman theater performance majors and made collaboration and ensemble the hallmark of the Boston University School of Theater program, passed away. One of the programs he instituted was called Locals, which was two hours every Monday where we freshmen held the room with some of our professors and could do whatever we wanted act, sing, dance, tell stories, show off hidden talents, try something new, etc. It was a safe space that allowed us to take risks with one another, and in that space, we grew from 40, 18 to 19-year-old overly eager theater kids into an ensemble of creators who cared deeply about the stories that we were putting into the world. John Lipsky joined us for most of the locals' first semester, but by second semester, he was unable to come to the, CFA, to the College of Fine Arts anymore and died in March of 2011. We were blessed that he was able to join us for at least the beginning of our journey at BU, and to this day, memorialize him with a yearly school-wide locals that we call Lipsky Locals. It occurred earlier last week. He left behind lots of books, in his office, mostly plays, and a book sale was held. As I was rifling through his books, I realized that in addition to plays, he had an extensive collection of books relating to anthropology, psychology, sociology, and religion. I was intrigued by one book in particular, which I purchased, The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. I was raised Catholic and was always actively involved in campus ministry in high school, but I had never linked my identity as a theater artist to my identity as a Christian. I would later find out that John Lipsky himself was deeply spiritual and particularly interested in Jewish mysticism and Eastern religions. I began to be more conscious of the ways in which my faith and artistic life fit together. I began to see parallels, especially with worship, in how we come together to witness a story, a narrative. The Gospel according to John begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. The Greek word for word is logos, which can also be translated as story. In the beginning was the story, and the story was with God, and the story was God. This realization helped put into context my massive vocational shift that began to occur my sophomore year towards a life in ministry, telling stories and enabling others to tell their stories, and that's what brought me here to Marsh Chapel. Lipsky, in his book Dreaming Together, says, theater is an act of collaboration between actors and actors, actors and directors, actors and audience. It's a communal event. When we come together in the theater, especially for something like locals, we come together to worship and to reconnect with our primal impulse to tell a story, a story with God. And that story, for me, is God. Brian's sermon is graduating with a Doctor of Philosophy in American and New England Studies from the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. He holds bachelor's and master's degrees from Boston University and has worked in residence life and the writing program. Our prayers are with Brian as he is on the market as well for a faculty position in his field. Eighty years ago, architect Ralph Adams Cram designed Boston University's campus in a Gothic revival style. Cram was deliberate in choosing an aesthetic that had its origins in the great cathedrals of Europe, for he hoped to symbolize what he saw as an inviolable connection between higher education and religion. A university, he once claimed, should be half college, half monastery, now, I won't say that my own experience as a student has been entirely monastic. However, like Cram, I've discovered an intrinsic connection between my academic growth and my religious awakening. And the scholarly path I've traveled these past six years has also been a spiritual one. Now, there are many threads in this connection, but today I want to focus on just two, faith and humility. Throughout my doctoral studies, I doubted time and again my ability to surmount the obstacles before me. There was coursework far more rigorous than any I'd encountered before, then a language exam, a major research paper, 452 books to read in preparation for qualifying exams, and finally, every doctoral student's Mount Everest, a dissertation. There were personal setbacks as well. I was diagnosed with HIV and hospitalized twice, I lost a best friend, and just last month, my grandmother unexpectedly passed away. All of these hurdles, academic and personal, tested and ultimately intensified my faith, faith in the power and grace of God to provide guidance when I am lost and strength when I am low, faith in the honest purposes of others to care about me and help me through adversity, 
and faith in my own abilities to persevere and succeed no matter what the challenge. Humility, meanwhile, is a virtue as seemingly rare in graduate school as it is in the Kardashian household. <laughs> we grad students are forever posturing and preening, eager to show off our smarts. But as we build up our egos in this way, we wall ourselves off from the ideas and advice of others, believing, or at least pretending, that our own knowledge is superior. Such a haughty attitude is, of course, inimical to education. And it was only when I humbled myself that my mind opened up and learning became possible. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. I first read that proverb many years ago, but it was only in graduate school that I came to understand its meaning. One consequence of humility is gratitude. Despite the fulsome praise that commencement speakers will heap on graduates during the next week, I recognize that, for me at least, this accomplishment is not mine alone. Without the unflagging support of my family, friends, and professors, and without divine guidance and strength, I could not have succeeded in this pursuit. In sum, this I believe. Abiding faith and humility brought me through graduate school, and by never forgetting the spiritual lessons I've learned during the past six years, I know that I will be able to face with confidence whatever the future may hold. take time each Sunday to gather together as a community in prayer. Please adapt to a posture of prayer that feels comfortable to you, whether that be kneeling, standing, or sitting, as the choir leads us in our call to prayer. As we join together this Mother Day, Mother's Day to pray, we acknowledge that Mother's Day is a time of affirmation, joy, and celebration of all the motherly love we've been given in our lives, 
But we also recognize that for some, it is a time of sorrow for mothers lost, children's lost, those who have not felt motherly love. Let us take a moment of silence before we enter into prayer to remember those mothers in our lives. On this Mother's Day, in honor and in memory of our mothers, we pray with Julia Ward Howe's Mother's Day Proclamation from 1870. Arise, then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts, whether our baptism be of water or of tears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our spouses shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caress and applause. Our children shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We, women of one country, will be too tender of those of another country. To allow our children to be trained to injure another's from the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own, and it says, disarm, disarm. The sword of violence is not a balance for justice. Blood does not wipe out dishonor, nor violence vindicate possession. As humanity has often forsaken the plow and the anvil for the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left of home for a great and earnest day of peace. Let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate. Let them then solemnly take counsel with one another as to the means whereby the great human family can finally live in peace. Hand in hand with our sisters and brothers, each bearing after his own kind the sacred impress, not of Caesar, but of God. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general Congress of women without limit of nationality may be appointed and held at some place deemed convenient and at the earliest period consistent with its objects to promote the alliance of the different nationalities the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace for all. Arise then women of this day, arise all women who have hearts, whether our baptism be of water or of tears, arise. And with the confidence of the children of God, we are all bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
peace of God be always with you. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel this bright and sunny spring morning. Marsh Chapel is a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. And know that wherever you are on your spiritual path, that you have a home here. We would like to be better connected to you and help you be better connected to one another. And a great way of doing that is filling out your name and contact info to the red books at the center of each pew. Please pass those along. A special thanks this morning to our speakers, Jenny, Charlotte, Robert, and Brian. Your thoughtful and enlightening remarks will be remembered in this chapel and onward. Marsh Chapel weekly activities have come to an end and we will be adapting to the summer schedule the week after next. Please make note of that. Next Sunday is BU's baccalaureate service at 11 a.m. in this chapel. All are welcome to attend. Furthermore, all are welcome to wear their academic regalia to this service. Additionally, for those who need to get to commencement, please note that the service will take place from 11 to 11.45, so there should be plenty of time to get over to Nickerson Field for commencement, so please join us. As we beckon our ushers forward, let us remember that it is a grace and a joy to give, and please won't you be as generous as possible.
God, we give thanks for these gifts that have been offered and for these lives that have been shared. Bless our gifts and our lives that we may give and live more fully and faithfully. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.